This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and we are in studio today with Molly McManus, who is a yoga therapist and Ayurvedic health counselor and co-owner of International Soma Yoga Institute, Yoga North, located in Duluth, Minnesota, locally loved, internationally known and loved. And um, this next episode is uh, one that's near and dear to my heart. I have... Uh, known Molly for many years and had the privilege of learning with her, teaching with her, working with her, um, and being friends. And we are exploring pathways to becoming free. Obviously, for both of us, uh, yoga and Ayurveda have played an important part in that our, each of our pathways, as well as navigating complex diagnoses, autoimmune conditions, and how to find wellness even in those realms, how to find small acts of self-care and how they translate into great acts of self-love. And so we are inviting you into this conversation that you may experience some inspiration to support yourself in whole being wellness and getting yourself free, experiencing joy and creativity, even during complex times. Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and I am in studio with Molly McManus, who is a yoga therapist, Ayurveda health counselor, and co-owner of International Soma Yoga Institute of Yoga North, and located in Duluth, Minnesota, locally loved, internationally known, as we like to say. Welcome, Molly. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Oh, it's great having you. Thanks for saying yes, as always. I've had the joy of knowing Molly through many lifetimes, and in this lifetime, um, being willing, being uh, able to train with you and teach with you and be in relationship with you. And so I'm really delighted to have you on and um, to share your wisdom and experience as uh, all you've navigated. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the things, um, there are many pathways to becoming free, right? Like, even if we take a single point, there's at least 300 and what is it? 360 ways to find that point from a geometrical standpoint. Wow. Yeah. That's a really interesting thought, right? <laughs> right. So, um, at least in my experience and in my own lived experience for a while, I was like, oh, there. I remember when I was much younger thinking there has to be a pathway, like, right? Like, I Same. better, I better yes. find that pathway. <laughs> yeah, yes. just one. And, you know, you should know every step and it has to be perfect. And it's got to be within the lines in some way, even if they're my own lines. Right? Correct. And even if it comes from my own trauma and my own conditioning yeah. and programming. Um, and it yeah. always does. <laughs> right. So what has been uh, super refreshing to me is finding like, oh, like everyone's pathway is different. There isn't 
one pathway. There are many. Right. And, um, and finding what sets me free and brings me more into my authenticity and more into my sovereignty is going to not only benefit me, but those around me, even if Absolutely. their pathway looks totally different. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your pathway to becoming free or sovereign or, um, you know, and I know that's a, can be a big one, but just give us a little taste. Sure. I would say it's obviously ongoing. Um, <laughs> oh, you're not, you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not done. I'm still engaging in this. You Me know, too. Daily. And uh, I would say, I always like to remind myself that this, this life is, is, you know, lots of remembering and forgetting and remembering again. Mm. And so finding the path, losing the path, finding the path again. And sometimes that's on a moment to moment, hour to hour, day to day basis. And sometimes you feel like you're on the path for a real long time and maybe you fall off for a little bit. But just I want to normalize that, you know, a, a, a spiritual life or a sovereign life doesn't look like a straight line either. I mean, we, we kind of said this already, but I, I think it's important for us all to know that you know, there's going to be ups and downs. And so for me, I would say, you know, my life starting out, of course, you know, we all have our backgrounds and our traumas and our um, mm -hmm. growing experiences and, and the things that we bring to us from our family of origin, from our, from our, the setup that we have in our life. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say, you know, for me, I was most always seeking, some kind of different connection. I was most always, even at a young age, you know, seeking to understand um, sort of dimensions of the of my own reality and the reality around me. And that looked like back then. I think that looked like play and creativity and um, being involved with things that weren't maybe in the normal world. You know, I was a, in the music industry and uh, got to be around lots of crowds and lots of, lots of things like that. And, and even though there's, you know, many sides to that, there was also this incredible ability to, to have to create large scale connection mm -hmm. there. And so I think for me, it's making small places of connection in my life and then large places of connection in my life have always been part of the path toward freedom. What does that look like now? Now that looks like me having moved to Duluth, Minnesota about <laughs> 21 years ago after you know working in the nightclub industry for a long time and the theater industry and things like that. So moving to Duluth, Minnesota and completely slowing down my life, ramping it all down. My stress response was super high when I lived in Minneapolis. And now coming to Duluth, it was like taking a step in, I don't know, I don't want to say forward, but almost like or back, I, I mean, it was just a different like sidestepping the path I was on because I knew if I stayed in my my surroundings at that point that I would always stay on that kind of fast track path. Mm -hmm. So then coming here was about spending time getting to know myself. And I used yoga and Ayurveda to do that. I, you know, engaged with yoga as a practitioner and then Kate went in and started taking trainings to learn about myself, to learn about the world, to learn about what connection could mean on a, a different scale. And so that's been a pathway to freedom for me. Mm -hmm. um, study has been a pathway to freedom for me. Mm -hmm. And I would say ultimately finding ways in my life to be creative, Elizabeth, that is yeah. the number one thing. 
whether that is teaching, which is such a creative endeavor, mm-hmm. engaging with private practice with people one-on-one. Oh my gosh, being in a creative space with, with another human being, helping them move toward healing. Agreed. Heals me. Agreed wholeheartedly. Yes. Whether that's writing. I mean, you know, you're such Mm -hmm. a beautiful writer and and, um, there's writing happening here all the time, whether it's a manual or currently we're, you know, we're again working on a book around some yoga methodology. Nice. Or if it's doing things like, I mean, this sounds funny, but I'm working on metal smithing and doing making jewelry and doing things like that, that keep engaging me to learn and grow and expand myself rather than that contraction that can happen over a lifetime if we're not paying attention and actually i would say consciously pushing against that contraction right that can happen yeah and that's you know well said because i think our um bodies hold so much wisdom that you know you were talking about the path of that was faster and that served you for a while. And I would imagine like your body started to say like, wait a minute. At least I know in my experience, my body started to say, wait a minute, the unconscious things I'm doing on this path um, are starting to deplete my body. And my body, you know, I was like, I couldn't listen when it was whispering. Although Mm -hmm. now I feel like I'm way more astute at that. Um, through years of study and self-healing and and uh, having the privilege of partnering with people in their own journeys uh, mm-hmm. and teaching. But it was like, I didn't know how to listen to that whisper. I didn't know how to sense and feel into this body, mind, spirit and realize, oh, I'm contracting and shutting down instead of expanding. My, I'm getting too attached. My senses are getting too attached to one way of being instead of opening up that there are more than just that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say I, could, I, I really agree with you on that. I think, yeah, and I think we're probably both still in that healing process. 100%, would, yeah. Or you know, I'll me, say for me, 100%, yeah. yeah. Right. And for me, like in a way in, in my old life, I wanted it loud and I wanted it distracted and I actually felt more comfort in, in noise and in a lot of people than you would think a person could have. And now it's it's such a reverse for me where it's, I, I mean, I love being with people, but I also love stillness and I love more silence and I love more slowing down. Um, I still love music though, <laughs> but, but I think what, what, you know, my path took me to a place where I distracted me myself so much that I didn't listen because it wasn't, it didn't feel good to listen to what was happening inside here. It didn't feel safe probably some of the times. And I see that with people all of the time coming in for sessions where they stopped listening years ago, just like you were saying, and they are coming back to learn that skill of interoception, the ability to sense within again. They're learning again how to feel themselves in relationship to other beings and other things in the world. And you know, when you can start to increase both of those things, your pain goes down, your anxiety goes down, your, you know, all of those conditions that maybe cause a lot of friction in our system and and suffering, frankly, a lot of suffering start to lessen the more we can learn to listen to ourselves again, you know? Yeah. And I even think, 
you know, as you were speaking, what I feel like my own conditioning was like, pay attention to what I'm being told and, and, you know, whether that was in school, whether that was in my family of origin and not so much, you know, when I was a young child, like I felt like, oh yeah, I I have that interoception and that Mm -hmm. guidance and I'm pretty connected to it. And then it was like, there was a shift in my life where it was like, okay, now I'm not paying attention to that interoception. It feels scary. I don't really know how to access it. Um, And, you know, similar to your path, and, you know, this is why we get to reconnect in this lifetime, it's like yoga and Ayurveda and and some of the energetic healing practices are what started to allow a pathway back in. Because sometimes I remember someone saying the scariest thing sometimes is to go within. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We keep ourselves disturbed. We keep the waters muddy so we really don't have to see what's at the depth. And at the depth of ourselves is, you know, again, maybe the things that we don't want to look at, that we project out or we project down, but it's also where our brilliance is. And it's also, you know, when we can reclaim those aspects of ourselves, whatever they are, when we can actually fully start to look and deal with them, that's when we get that sovereignty, that that ability to inhabit ourselves fully, embody ourselves fully, you know, mind, body, spirit, all of it. Yeah. What practices to do for that, right? It's self-care practices. I think it's interesting because it's simple things that actually make the biggest difference. You know, Ayurvedic practices of, you know, of, of Dinacharya, right? Of that, those daily practices of aligning ourselves with our highest teacher inside, with our highest self inside. Oiling, self-oiling, Abhyanga, right? And things like, um, you know, simple practices like tongue scraping. It sounds so silly that that would lead towards self-healing, but it does on all of the levels because you're actually remembering that you are entitled to and supported in taking care of yourself. And when we do that, it's like a cell in this universe is healed, right? And then the universe itself starts to be a more healthy place. And I I mean, I love seeing all these different souls, you know, working toward that, working toward self-acceptance and and self-healing by simple practices. It doesn't have to be fancy. Right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And you brought forward tongue scraping. So some of our listeners or community might not know what that is. Oh, yeah. It's very similar to like, you know, we're all been taught to brush our teeth and, and to floss. And some days I'm better at the flossing than others. Um, <laughs> but I'm getting better at that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the tongue scraping is similar. It's a similar daily practice or dinacharya, as Molly said, which is... Di- daily routine for self-healing and Ayurveda. And it literally is, it can be a copper or a stainless steel tongue scraper. They have different purposes. Um, And for sure we can dive into that if we want, but um, the gentle like tongue scraping, it stimulates the organs. 
it removes the toxins that we have not been able to digest. So they don't go into our joints and other spaces in our body because we're re-digesting the toxins that our tongue is wanting to expel. And I really- Yeah, I mean, the whole body works toward that, right? Right. So even think about when we're sleeping, there's this peristalsis that, that moves it up, moves it out to the tongue. And then that's all the further that our body can do. Then it needs our conscious interaction with it to remove that um, those toxins from from the system with an easy just scrape it away and wash it away. And then you don't again face those um, implications of letting plaque build up in your system, letting toxins build up in your system because you're every day saying, "I want to be conscious about." having healing practices or healthy practices to keep me um, steady, right? To keep me more, more healthy, more in that area of well-being, whole being, well-being. Exactly. And I think it's such a simple practice. And I remember when I began to practice it, noticing like, wow, I actually have a little bit of extra energy because mm-hmm. my body isn't having to, to take that toxin, the plaque back into it. Yeah. Um, and it, and and it's these simple, poignant practices. And so now people are wondering probably where can I get a tongue scraper? You can get them at like, you can get them at at grocery stores, co-ops. You can get them on Amazon. If you're a person who does the Amazon thing, you can get them on Banyan Botanicals. You can do Aurora has some, um, Yoga North sometimes has some, I mean, there's, you can get them wherever you buy toothbrushes for the most part. Yeah. And the difference between using a tongue scraper versus a toothbrush is the toothbrush can put it back into your tissue yeah. of your tongue. We want yeah. to gently remove that white coating or the red or the, you know, brown whatever. or yellow or whatever the residue is that's showing up. It, that also has wisdom and information for you personally in terms of what's going on digestively and in your organs. But it's an important, you're bringing such like a beautiful, simple practice that has a long reach of a stableness for our self-healing practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I could just speak to one aspect of it that I think is really important yes, and is epidemic in our country and many countries, you know, is inflammation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is there are so many diseases that are based in this idea of inflammation. And this simple practice is one of the practices that can, um, you know, halt that inflammation from increasing or support that inflammation in decreasing in the body. So, I mean, why not do that? It takes two seconds, right. To, to do it. So, um, and I always say, if you, if you start doing it and you actually ex- examine the contents of what comes off on your tongue, you will never not do it again, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's true. Take our word for it. Uh, yeah, so listeners, check it out, and then, <laughs> and then let it let let Elizabeth know what you find. <laughs> yeah, p- p- pop a comment in in the episode podcast, yeah. and yeah. let Molly and I hear your ahas. I'd love it. Yeah, I know, right? Well, and I think um, what, you know, this idea of self-care and whole being, well-being um, is, is really takes into consideration how the body, mind, spirit, and the physicality all work to come into union. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I've seen that a lot in my relationship with you in terms of like how you consider to you continue to contemplate that and and find ways through. So are there some other suggestions you want to share or ahas you've had around self care? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, um, I have a few things to say about it. I'm sure. Um, it, you know, I think there's a way that there's some words that correlate to me. Self care and self love are the same thing. And so actually acts of self-care are acts of self-love. And I really believe that if we start down that road, we start taking these simple practices, whatever those practices are, and I'll speak to a few more of them in a moment, we actually move toward, um, you know, self-love in a different way. I think so many of us have come into this life feeling like, we're not enough, like that we've always got to be achieving that we, you know, maybe there even there's even some even more negative feelings you have about yourself. And I think that if you can just start a practice, whatever it is, where you do something simple, that is a reminder to your, your spirit that you are trying to take care of yourself, that you're trying to love yourself more, even if it's simple, it makes a big, huge difference. Mm. So I think, um, you know, yoga and Ayurveda are this path to having a healthier system, but also this path to self-discovery, self-remembrance. And these simple acts are the way to do it. You can meditate. That's, of course, something people can do if they're ready to. But for most people, these simple acts need to be put in place first as pillars, Mm-hmm. You know, how are you eating? What does your sleep hygiene and sleep routine look like? Um, do you need to, just as I need to more and more, put away my phone? I, I, I have terrible habits lately around wanting to stay connected in that way. <laughs> so what are, the, what are the ways that... It's a different crowd. <laughs> yeah. So we need to remember that we um, we have we have these pillars of, of um, working with support in our system what is it what is your self contemplation look like do you have do you take time and quiet are you always busy so these are simple pillars to start to look at um, and you know yoga north works with those all the time we do classes on them they're in our trainings you know you've taken them mm-hmm. and, and probably deliver them as well now mm-hmm. and so that's that's that um so I, i'll just speak to the meditation piece again meditation mm-hmm. is of course an incredible tool. And I want us to think about the fact that there are phases of meditation. Not all of us should sit down, close our eyes and go inward without a little bit of preparation. And that preparation might be getting to know yourself a little bit better. That preparation might be doing, you know, gentle practices like Soma yoga practices where we're preparing the body. And those preparations might also be doing things like guided relaxations or guided meditations so that we don't get lost in, you know, sometimes the complexity of our own minds, that we actually learn how to train and soften some of those things first before we just, you know, shut our eyes and think that we're going to be okay in there without some support. <laughs> well, and I love I love that you bring that forward because if going back to what you said a few minutes ago of, self-care being self-love if we can enter our meditation with more Mm self-love we're gonna be 
more courageous about lifting what no longer needs to be there. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, practice of letting go. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can be a big ask sometimes. And if we're not in that space of self-compassion and self-love, we might find that we want to instead grasp it instead of letting go. Yeah, there's so much grasping going on in every layer of us. It's it's our nature to do that sometimes. So let's let's go against that and start to practice something completely different. And find more freedom in mm-hmm. doing it. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Molly McManus. Thanks for being with us today. We're going to return in a few moments to continue this conversation on what sets us free and how to navigate life even with complexity. Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Molly McManus, who is a yoga therapist, Ayurveda health counselor, and co-owner of International Soma Yoga Institute of Yoga North, located in Duluth, Minnesota, and as we love to say, locally loved, internationally known, and loved. Um, So we're unpacking a little bit about how self-care can translate into self-love and how some of these baseline practices or invitations and for each person you're going to discover different things of like oh wow that really nourishes me that really sustains me that supports me and that one I know it's good for me but I don't love doing it or that one maybe doesn't support me Mm -hmm. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how this approach can help when we're navigating life's more complex diagnoses or um, complex healing paths. Yeah. Great. Well, I, I mean, maybe it would be helpful just to speak for a moment about, about my own. Sure. Um, I am a person that lives with a complex medical diagnosis of a vasculitis condition called eosinophilic granulatosis with polyangitis or EGPA. And it's one of a family of vasculitis um, diseases that affects the blood vessels in my system. And it can and has affected my, um, my lungs, my sinuses, my nervous system, my heart, my brain, my joints. So it is Um, Think about where blood vessels are in your system, and it can affect any of those places. And the different vasculitis conditions um, uh, can systematically affect different areas. So, Elizabeth, you know well that in 2020, I had a really close brush with death, right, and was Mm -hmm. hospitalized, intubated, and in ICU, 
and since then have been, you know, when I came out of that, thankfully, I had the support of my practices, but even more so, I had the support of my community, right? You were there for me. Many others were there for me. Of course, Anne at Yoga North, um, a dear friend, Robin Rothenberg, other friend, you know, my husband, all these different wonderful mm-hmm. people, my, my good community in, in Duluth. Um, and those people did practices for me and, um, you know, into Aurora, who we've talked about, of course, I have to, you know, I could name a lot of people, but the point is with that complex medical diagnosis, the healing path has been about finding ways to support my own self-healing, navigating an allopathic medical world, and of course the Ayurvedic and yogic practices and how to blend those things when it feels really confusing in your system. And I'm quite sure, you know, there's probably somebody out there that's gonna listen to this that has had that experience as well. It's like, how do I listen to my innate wisdom around this and navigate what I'm being told by the medical world, right? So um, I think there is a way that you can bridge those things and bring it together. And that is by these self-care practices, Mm -hmm. right? That is by saying, you know, looking at your life 360 degrees and trying to see, you know, what do I need to do here to support my well-being? What is overdone in my life? Even what senses are being used too much? What am I just too invested in and too absorbed in? And what do I not have enough of in my life? Um, Whether that's, again, expression of the senses, or uh, I need more sleep, or I need better food, or I need more community connection. What is it that I I need. And so it's actually learning to listen and go in and hear yourself. With my condition, it's an autoimmune condition. And so what that means, of course, is that there are some mixed signals going on in this in this body where it turns against itself. So how do I start to listen to myself and actually know um, when I've had enough, because with an autoimmune condition and many different commission, conditions, I think we haven't been able to hear. And so we often actually are overtired or overdone and we keep going. And mm-hmm. so then the system has to respond and it's like a tug of war, a push pull. And so for me, when I start thinking about how do I, to, how do any of us deal with complex diagnosis, it's actually starting to um, learn to listen more to ourselves, actually seeing if we can go back in, make connections again to ourselves in our body, in our breath, in our mind, and beyond, you know, those other layers of our mind as well. It's it's the same stuff, only um, I think it's it's like having a kinder or slower approach to your life. Maybe, you know? Yeah, I mean... Uh, first of all, thank you for sharing. And um, sorry, we'll leave there. <laughs> no, no, it's beautiful. Um, and I think many will benefit by hearing it because I think you know, while many things get put into the autoimmune category, uh, you know, from my autoimmune condition of alop- it's not mine. I'm trying to not own that, by the way, but from the autoimmune condition that I've had experience with, which is alopecia, uh, to the experience that you're having, um, 
it's like how for me it's it's a bit of like how do I stay curious and non-attached to it and do the next best thing for my system to stay in balance and I remember one uh, doctor saying I'm pretty sure if I put you on an island for two weeks and you just slept (laughs) and ate good food yeah (laughs) you'd come off that island a totally different person isn't that great? You heard that from somebody in the medical community. I love that. I think that was, that's, that's seeing the wisdom traditions coming together. Correct. Medicine. And, you know, she came from naturopathic and yeah. Western med, but she was like, I'm pretty sure if I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Well, that speaks to, to the nervous system, right? Correct. And so, yeah. so many practices that we do mm-hmm. are that I, I think that I just inherently do and then teach to other people are actually how to soften or bring the nervous system down to mm-hmm. soften the stress responses. Um, you know, whether that's not diaphragmatic breathing or mm-hmm. whether it's those somatic stress responses like that green light go or mm-hmm. that withdrawal response, it's actually getting in touch with what is happening in you that mm-hmm. you are unaware of mm-hmm. and then starting to make small, tiny micro adjustments to change that. Mm-hmm. To, to get yourself more to a homeostasis, maybe one that you haven't been in for years, <laughs> like, like many, many years. Like how I, I do mean, you bring yourself back? Totally, because I remember thinking, I didn't realize when I first uh, took a deeper dive into Ayurveda and, and yoga um, that I was attached to some of my imbalances. Like, Absolutely. I wasn't in balance as I was, hence how my body was speaking and wanting me to listen. Because Mm -hmm. if we think of our body as a sacred vessel that our body, mind, and spirit get to alchemize into, and I was constantly bypassing the body, Mm -hmm. then it was like this aha moment of like, wow, I've been attached I thought I was in balance. I'm not in balance, clearly. Mm-hmm. And I was attached to my imbalances. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to speak something to that because, of course, we don't want to be in- attached to our imbalances. We want to actually, you know, see if we can soften even that grip, like that right. we, we let go of those things. But I think it's also important to talk about um that whatever state you're in, (laughs) right? So some folks that listen to this, maybe they're always going to have a condition that they're, they're managing like a polarity to manage rather than something that they have to fix. Mm -hmm. And and that we can live a happy, fulfilled, creative, joyful life, even with a complex diagnosis. There's, I have no doubt about that because I'm, I'm living proof of that. And so are you, right? Yep. Like yep. that, that we can still have sovereignty, that we can still have joy, even when um, we navigate these complex situations. Right? And for me, so much of that has been about my own self-acceptance. Like, yes. you know, how do I accept my nature? How, how does my nature show up? And how do I try to stay in better harmony with the things that bring me that joy and that freedom and mm-hmm. and release some of the things that have brought me suffering or unease or dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes 
has brought me, you know, into uh, releasing stagnant grief that has been in my tissues for a very long time and in my organs, (laughs) hair, yeah, anger, anger, sadness, grief, shame, all those um, things that, you know, you mentioned earlier that can lead to the false belief that we're not worthy, not worthy to be here, not worthy enough for whatever. When really this is all a journey of remembering also to come back to what you said at the forefront of our time together, remembering our divinity, our divine brilliance, our spark, our light, whatever word you want to put on that. Mm-hmm that is here to shine in this body, but is yes. more than the body, but needs the body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a complex organism with body, breath, mind, spirit, all of that. And um, no one is more important than the other, in my opinion. Like Agreed. this, we often hear in yoga, like, you know, reject the body, move toward the that spiritual piece. But for me, this is an integrated experience Mm -hmm. and it should be. And this body of mine deserves um, to have my attention. And it, and I didn't know that for a long time. Right. Me neither. So that is an important aspect of, I think what we're talking about here, you know, and, you know, you brought up this idea of, Uh, you know, that we're talking about worthiness and all that stuff. But I also think that there's a way that I am continuing to learn lessons in my life and often the same lessons brought to me in new packages saying, hey, remember, you think you can do more than you can do is one of them, right? You think you can manage more in your schedule is, is, is the way that that shows up or, you know, and, and I keep continuing to be brought the same lessons that maybe have gotten me sick in the past that are repackaged. And I have to be willing to keep learning those lessons and not rejecting them. Sometimes I think about it like, well, I thought I, you know, I, I thought I worked through that or I thought I vacuumed over that spot and it was clean, but now here I am spiraling back over it again and learning this lesson again. And to not get angry with ourselves or upset with ourselves about having to learn those lessons. This is the remembering and the forgetting. And this is the actual learning ourselves at a deeper level. And it's work sometimes, right? Learning ourselves is what we're here to do. Remembering ourselves is what we're here to do. It is the great work of our life. There's Mm -hmm. nothing more. That's all we are really here to do is, is inhabit who we are. And bring that to the world as best we can in as in as beautiful and flawed ways as we can. And and that, and that's enough, right? That's enough. So it is. It's more than enough. And yet sometimes I one of the lessons I have to continue to remember is that it is enough. You know, yeah. that it's I don't have to earn it. I don't have to A plus it. Oh. That's a big lesson for me too. We have that together, girl. I know. <laughs> um, and in fact, the less I A plus it, the more flow comes, the more things I would never dream or imagine manifest. Um, yes. Yes. You know, and that's taken a lot for me of surrendering and releasing the need to control everything because for mm-hmm. so long that was a 
coping mechanism of mine for survival as a kid and Mm -hmm. as an adult can get in my way. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I had to teach myself that lesson. And it's something I talk to a lot of people, a lot of students, a lot of clients, a lot of people that come to our trainings is, um, is even reframing our relationship for me with the words good enough, (laughs) right? For me, good enough was like, was like, you kind of gave up. It was, it's good enough, right? A long time. I felt like that. And I had to reframe this idea around those two words. It's good, right? This is good. What? This is good. And this is enough. Oh, I like that. Good enough actually is perfect. And I've tried to keep framing that and reminding myself, this is good. This is enough. You've done all you need to do here. And, and that is something, you know, I feel like that comes to me almost every day in my, in my continued learning and healing and growing path. Yeah. It reminds me of, and I can't remember who said this. It's a philosopher but it was up in our early childhood family education room when my kids were young and moms and dads our parents guardians would come together with their kids for an hour and a half the parents Mm -hmm. would have a cup of coffee or water while the kids would play and the quote up on it said don't let perfect be the enemy of the good yes yes and I remember I would read that quote every week and I would be like it had to, it was like a slow working on me mm-hmm. of like, I don't have to perfect it mm-hmm. to stay in a space where I can be me. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like that good and enough ingredient yeah. can yeah. actually create the sweet perfection. It and, does. Yeah. You know, Elizabeth, let me give you one little example of this from my current life and yeah. my current little passion. So I told you I've been doing these metal smithing jewelry making, and it's such a great analogy because in metal smithing, you're working with metal, obviously, and you're bending and shaping and hammering and soldering and doing all these things that change the metal. And you can work with metal metal only so long before it becomes what's called work hardened, right? And it oh, will yeah. break or it won't move, or it it gets to a place where it is no longer able to change and flow. And so then what happens is you have to take an incredibly hot torch to it in order to re-soften it. And it's sort of like what happens to us in life. We get ourselves work hardened and then a trauma or um, an accident or an incident or an illness comes that um, fires us again until we soften again. And so it's been a really interesting analogy to think about that when I work with metal or when I work with my own self or others, it's like, I don't want to work hard in anything in this moment. I actually want to keep it soft. I want to keep it so that it, it's to the perfect amount, just, you know, that good enough. And I have to stop pounding on myself, on the metal, on the other human beings in my life before that work hardening happens. So start to think about that when you're living your life is, is, you know, how can I stop from getting myself to the point where I break, where I've work hardened myself too much? That's a beautiful analogy. Um, Yeah, it's been a great, great lesson. 
And the um, I've seen glimmers of your current passion of metal making. They're really pretty. Where can people who might be inspired to check those out? Do you have them on a place that you are selling? I know you have them at Yoga North in Duluth, but. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I don't really, I, I mean, I don't have them at the studio. You can see some of my creations on Molly Yoga North on like Instagram, things like that. And I think in the coming years, there'll be more. I'm taking it slow. It's not about making it um, to sell necessarily, but yet it also um, is kind of fun to think about that as a creative passion that maybe someday someone would want to own something like that of me because it does, it does really, it's, it's such a passion project, just like Soma Yoga methodology is, right? That those yeah. two passion projects coming side by side. So, so check out the Instagram. That's a great way to do it. I have a really cool, neat um, firefly that I just made that's on there that is, I'm very proud of. Um, oh, so, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so as we are kind of um, considering other invitations that we might share with the listeners before we open the conversation further as we wind down the episode. <laughs> so what, what, what other invitations can we offer in terms of, you know, whether it's a complex diagnosis, a complex time in your life, maybe emotionally, mentally, maybe it's not even a diagnosis. Maybe it's just like, it's complex right now to even be on the planet at this time as we shift oh into God. a higher level thinking and feeling state. Totally. Right. Um, what might be something we want to share with them? Well, I think that there's an idea that it would be wonderful if we could all be a little bit more gentle with ourselves and with each other and remember that, you know, most people are doing their best Mm. with what they have at the time. And that if we have some graciousness or some compassion toward each other, it could go a long way. Um, If you can start to let yourself default toward compassion rather than judgment, Mm -hmm. which is something I continuously have to work toward. Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that creates different ripples of harmony in yourself and that actually move toward others as well. Um, I know that if I, Um, feel that edge or agitation with another human being, if I can start to soften myself, check in with my breathing, remember that they're experiencing complexities that I had never known could be possible um, and meet them in a, in that way. I think that we all just will have a better chance with each other, you know, and a better chance at sovereignty and a better chance at ultimate connection. I love that. that. That'd be a big one. I, yeah, well, well invited. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and where can people uh, learn more about Yoga North, the International Soma Yoga Institute? Yeah, Yoga North International Soma Yoga Institute can be found at yoganorthduluth.com on of course, on the web. And we have a Facebook page and Instagram page. I myself have both of those personally, too. I'd love to interact with folks there. 
Um, we are in Duluth at um, a wonderful space downtown. We are online. I do private sessions and classes online every every day, and uh, um, you know, or every are all each week, I should say. And so does Anne Maxwell, the other lead teacher and co-founder there as well. Uh, so you can find us all over the place. We'll also be in St. Paul for a few events um, and in Des Moines. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us and your pathways to becoming free and sovereign and such tender-hearted space. This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Molly McManus. And we send you all the love as you continue your own pathways to becoming free and sovereign. <laughs>